hold on a second while I get my stuff pulled up. No worries. Be happy. Die hard. Die hard. Die harder. All right, cool. All right. And now, Chuck and Ruff go to the movies. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the season four premiere of Chuck and Ruff Go to the Movies. My name is Jeffrey Chuck Norris, and I am joined, as always, and again, by my brother, Robert Ruff. Robert, how are you doing today? I'm good, you? I'm doing fantastic today. I went to the trampoline park with the kids this morning, so my body is hurting, but it was a lot of fun. Nice. I um did not do that. I slept all morning. <laughs> <laughs> sleep. What is that? What is that elusive thing everybody keeps talking about? Sleep. I didn't get enough of it, but I did sleep. Hey, a little is better than none, right? This is true. This is true. Yeah. But not only is this our season premiere episode, but it's also the start of one of our favorite specials that we do on the show, Christmas in July. But before we dive in, I have all the usual requests. Be sure to give the show a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That is the best way to keep up with everything that's happening on the show. Links to our social medias can be found in our show notes. Rate and review the show wherever you are capable of doing so. All the reviews will get a shout out on Instagram and on the show. And of course, Spotify has that new rating system. Five stars. We love you. And make sure you are subscribing to the show wherever you get your podcast from. Never miss an episode. Encourage everyone to do the same. Speaking of that, did you know that 11% of our downloads happen in Europe? Really? Really. We have friends in the UK, France, Germany. Norway, and Finland. Well, would you look at that? I know. I know a couple of those UK uh, downloads, Ian. I'm talking to you. I know you're listening. But everybody else there in the um, continent of Europe, we appreciate you and we love you. We love all of our listeners. But uh, 11%, what a huge number. And I'm super excited about that outreach. So awesome, awesome. Also, a huge shout out to our friend Anthony over at Porcelain Peak for helping us design some new cover art for the show. We absolutely love it. It is super awesome. Uh, I can't wait to start incorporating it into all of our social media posts. It's going to be a lot of fun. Thank you again, Anthony. Go check them out over at Porcelain Peak. They are awesome. And now it is time to head to the theater for all of our pre-show entertainment. So... Like I said, we are returning from a little time off here. A lot of time off. What can we say? And uh, have you done anything fun during that time off? Uh, I went to a Rangers and Astros baseball game in Dallas. And um, I worked. Yep. 
That's about it. <laughs> uh, kind of, kind of me. Uh, you know, I, I worked the whole time, and uh, probably the most fun thing I did was uh, we got to go see that uh, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone in concert. Oh thing. yeah, yeah, really, really cool how they do that. And um, a buddy of mine. Uh, Someone who's been on the show before, Brooke, uh, from a podcast on Elm Street, he's going to go see Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King in concert, and I'm really jealous. Nice. Yeah. I thought that, I mean, that's my favorite Lord of the Rings movie, and I think that'd be a whole lot of fun to see. Uh, I highly recommend anybody who has the opportunity to go see these movies in concert, go see them. Well worth your time. Um, <clears throat> so before we start talking our mystery question and movie... I'm sure we have both compiled a list of movies and TV shows that we have been watching that we would like to recommend to our listeners. Uh, what do you've got? Uh, let's see. I finished Brooklyn Nine Nine. Heck yeah! Good Funny show. show. I enjoyed it. It was a lot. It was a lot of fun. Uh, saw Doctor Strange. What Sorry, I was Doctor taking Strange? a swig of beer. Otherwise, I would have been like, meh. Oh, meh, meh, meh. Eh, I liked it. It was, uh, it was good. I mean, not, I don't know. It was good. <laughs> I just wish they would have done. I I enjoyed Professor X in it. And what I really enjoyed about it, probably the best part of the whole movie was just the. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that was the best part of the whole movie. Tingles. Um, yeah, but I wish they wouldn't have incorporated an. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love Patrick Stewart, but I wish they wouldn't have incorporated a older Professor X. Or I wish they would have incorporated who they are going to get to replace P Professor X eventually. I agree. You know what I mean? I agree so, wholeheartedly. Yeah. And I think th this ended That's up being... That's where you need to introduce him at. Yeah, no. Agree granted, you know, they're doing the whole multiverse thing, blah, 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 blah. We could probably spend like right. two hours talking about the ins and outs and the pitfalls of doing the multiverse thing. But uh I agree. You know, they they now have the opportunity to introduce the X-Men into the MCU, and this would have been that great opportunity. It was it was a grab. It was a fan grab. And while it was a compelling and useful fan grab, I just felt like it was just let's move forward. OK, that right. is the whole point. Let's not keep resting on the laurels of the past. It's time to move forward into the future. And then the other thing on top of that is I know you and I have talked about, um, you know, the downfalls of trailers and things like that. They gave away many. They gave away way too many way too much. things in the trailer that by the time you get to the movie, it's very underwhelming. Yeah, and that's the thing that sucked, too, because I knew that Patrick Sue was going to be in the movie because of the trailer. Mm-hmm. I don't want to know that. I don't want to know that. Surprise me a little now, guys. Come on. Or all the speculation about John Krasinski playing Mr. Fantastic. Exactly. You know, all, all this stuff. You know, like, there were some pleasant surprises in this movie, but unfortunately, it was all overshadowed by the things that were not surprises. And, uh, you know, like, I loved Captain Carter. Was not yeah. seeing... Uh, did not expect that. Um... I loved Captain Carter. That's about it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> oh, I love Bruce Campbell's little cam. I mean, come on. It's the Sam Raimi film. Bruce yeah. Campbell's going to make his cameo. I like that little cameo. It was fun. But yeah, the, for the most part, the movie I feel like was a miss for me. Um, I will say it was Elizabeth Olsen's finest outing as Scarlet Witch, though. Oh, agreed. Well, yeah, but WandaVision was really good. Okay. Finest movie outing. 
Okay, yeah. 100%. Yes. I had cool. oh, um, oh, sorry. I had one more thought on Doctor Strange before we move on. Have you <laughs> have you seen the fan edit where somebody edited in Deadpool into the Illuminati no. scene? Really? Oh my god, if I find that link, I got to send it to you. It's absolutely hilarious. Nice. So apparently Deadpool comes in and he saves the day um in the Illuminati. It, it, it's funny. All right, I got to send you the link. I'll send you the link. Alright, moving on. Uh, what else? Um, that movie Dog, I watched that. It was with uh, Channing Tatum, I think. And yeah. he's ex-military and has to transport a dog across the country. And it looked really funny. And the previews were really funny. And all of the funny stuff were in the previews. I hate that. So I'm like, yeah. Okay. I hate Wasn't that, that good of a movie. Yeah. The whole point of a trailer is not to show you the movie. It's just to entice you to right. to come to the movie. Just give me tidbits. Don't give me all the best stuff. Don't give me all the plot points. Just tidbits. Give me just enough to make me itch and be like, ah, all right, I need to scratch at this. What is this? You know? Yeah. Uh, do, do, do. I watched the four-hour-long documentary on magic johnson on apple tv that was good uh, oh there's a tv show on hulu called candy um with uh jessica beale it's only five episodes long um it's just a limited series so there's nothing going forward but it's actually based on a true story about a housewife who kind of murders another housewife and it's actually really good sounds dark i like it yeah candy uh, adding it to the list and uh, Obi-Wan. Have you been watching Obi-Wan? Yes, I am three episodes into it, and so far I really like it. It's good. I like it, too. I wasn't sure how it was going to go, but I'm, I like the direction they're going with it. I like the fact that they're bringing in Leia, because nobody even thought that Leia would be in Why would she, you know? <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, hey, we're going to do a story about Leia, not Luke? Okay, cool. I did have a question oh. about that, though. So, I'm not questioning bringing in the whole Leia thing. Um, but this story is supposed to be taking place 10 years after the events of right. Episode 3. That girl is not 10 years old. No, I What is she, like, 6, 7? I, no, I was talking to my buddy Matt about that, too. And he goes, there's no way. I looked it up. She really is 10 years old. In real life? In real life, she's 10 years old. God, she looks like she, she was born it. yesterday. Right. Yeah, she is 10 years old. My four-year-old looks older than she does. <laughs> All right, well, okay. I'm about to say, Luke could pass off as a 10-year-old. She, I wasn't convinced. She looks a lot younger and smaller than a 10-year-old, but she's 10. Oh, okay. Yep. I think it said she was born in 2012. Oh, my God. Okay. So, I mean, while they're filming it, she might have been like nine, but still, yeah. All right, Tom, so if you're listening to this episode, everything we were talking about the other day in the wheelhouse, I guess we just need to throw that out the window. Oh, my God. <laughs> Ten years old. Okay. Uh, oh, 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 uh, on the oh. Obi-Wan thing. I'm sorry. Like, all these thoughts keep coming to me. Um, what did you think of that, like, recap they did at the beginning of episode one or that part was one. Amazing. Wasn't so it just good. like oh I went back and rewatched it? Yeah. Yes. It is just so good. It hit 
every emotional button of mine. It was just, it was wonderful yeah. to watch. I can't wait so to see what the rest of the... So June 4th, 2012. My God. So she just turned 10 a month ago. All right. Okay. 10 years old she is. Well. All right. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, you're good. Uh, so I was at um, the bar the other night sing karaoke and this girl gets up there and sings the never any story i was like well, i haven't watched that movie in forever so i went home and watched the never any story that night the <laughs> but we're also having the debate story. at the bar like um which one's the better movie never any story or labyrinth labyrinth it's not even a question like really i mean yeah. don't get me wrong i love the never ending story i love the never ending story too but labyrinth just far exceeds Anything that the never-ending story was trying yeah. to do. And you yeah, got a rock star in it. I, I, yeah, David Bowie. Um, there is a show on HBO Max called Our Flag Means Death. It's with uh, Taika Waititi. And, um, it's got a, like three or four Game of Thrones actors in it, too. Um, but it's about a, uh, it's actually based on a true story. It's, uh, the year is 1717. A wealthy landowner named Steed Bonnet has a midlife crisis and decides to blow off his cushy life and become a pirate. It does not go well. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, basically he like, he, he went to his family and goes, I want to be a pirate. Gar. He has a wife and two kids and. Just leaves and be, takes a ship and gets the crew and becomes a pirate. Horrible pirate. He's known as the gentleman pirate because everywhere he goes, he's wearing like fancy clothes and stuff like he did when he was uh, living at home. And so they call it, and, and this is, like I said, based on true true story, he really is the gentleman pirate. And uh, so he's out and about and uh, runs into Blackbeard's ship and, uh, and Blackbeard befriends him and teaches him how to pirate. And Blackbeard's played by Taika Waititi. Oh my god, that's funny. All right, I'm gonna. It's actually pretty good. What's it called? My flags. What? What? It's called "Our Flags Means." Our Our Flags Mean Death. Our flags mean death. Too much crap to watch. All right. I know. And I just got two more things. Uh, finished Halo. And it wasn't good Ugh. until the very last episode. Um, I didn't. I I cannot tell where they're going with the story. Um, but if you're a Halo video game lover like I am, the last episode it felt like you were watching that in some parts, like you're watching the first person shooter, which is kind of cool. Oh, interesting. Um, there's a big battle with the Covenant, which is what we've been waiting for. Uh, that's Halo. That's all they do is have battles with the Covenant. So it should have been like at the whole series, but yeah. But it, um, the last episode was good. Um, so I'm I'm kind of curious where they're gonna go with it forward. But uh, maybe this was we'll like see. an establishing season. I mean, yeah, you're mainly I, gonna I'm get the people sure that uh, played. Excuse me. You're mainly gonna get the people that played the game and whatnot. But uh, you're also gonna get people out there who've never really played the game, kind of like me. Like I, I know some ins and outs of it and uh, bits and pieces by watching other people play and stuff like that. But I'm not a hundred percent on the Halo lore so 
I probably need a little bit more exposition. I probably need a little bit more explaining as to what the establishing idea is here before you just dive right in and expect me to be like, oh, okay, now I'm on board. Gotcha. So maybe season two well, will like open the, the up a lot of more. It, though, yeah. The story of it didn't really tie into the game at all. And they just, it just kind of did its own thing. There was a couple of little things here and there, like Cortana coming in and that, but other than that, it was just basically the guy who plays uh, the Master Chief figuring out who he was. It was weird. Oh, but he's yeah. having an existential crisis or something? Pretty much, yeah. Oh, okay. All right, I'm down. Halo. Uh, and then the last one is, like I keep telling you to watch, Barry. <laughs> watch Barry. You and Barry. everybody else. <laughs> Barry, Barry, Barry. Barry. So good. It's about a hitman who doesn't want to be a hitman anymore and decides to take acting classes to impress a girl, but keeps being pulled back into the hitman life. And it's, it's funny. All right. Barry. All right. Uh, I'll get there in like 10 years like I did with Game of Thrones. <laughs> oh, yeah. Didn't you finish Game of Thrones? I did. That's the first thing on my list. I did. Finally finished it. Um, I loved it. Uh, I loved every single moment of it, even that crappy final season. And again, I think the reason I love it more than everybody else is that I didn't have the years of anticipation waiting for it to be let down the way the rest of you all like did. Two years in between seven and eight. Yeah, like I watched. And we're the like, enti- come on, come on, come on, and it's like they rushed it. They did. It they rushed. absolutely rushed it. I, I can agree with that. What's uh, like you can just tell the storylines rushed. Everything's rushed. The production values aren't the greatest, and it's just like I don't know what they were trying to do. But still, it didn't bother me as much as I guess it bothered everybody else. I ran through this entire series in one month from beginning to end, and nice. but I loved, I loved it. I really did. It's just I. It's like I can't believe that I spent so much time fighting this. And that, like, I got pulled in. I'm reading the books now. I'm constant. I'm listening to another favorite podcast of ours, Binge Mode, and all their Game of Thrones episodes now that um, I've actually watched all of them. So, you know, I'm going through all of that and everything. So it's just, I, I, I'm into it. I really am. So I'm glad I finally finished it. And I'm looking forward to uh, the Not prequel time. series coming out. In yeah, they're also making a September. sequel, I guess, with... Uh... Snow. It's supposed snow. to be called John Snow, or snow. yeah, Snow or something. I don't know, but yeah, that'll be, be interesting. Snow. That's yeah. not what I want to see, though. I want to see a sequel series where you know it still revolves around like Tyrion, Bran, Brienne, um, you know, Braun, and uh, you know all of them. You know what happened after that final season? You know, Bran's king now. Tyrion's the hand of the king. Uh, you know, I just like that's such a weird, weird mix of people. I kind of just want to see that i guess i don't know i like Tyrion. Top, Tyrion's top my favorite, favorite character. characters oh well Tyrion. okay well there you go number one <laughs> uh i'm already gonna like spoil this right now Jon snow is not on that list believe it or he's not, not i either. actually don't like it like him that much i like john he's, he's not on my list either though uh daenerys is on that list i found her character to be very compelling uh and watching her slow descent into becoming the mad queen uh, that was just so much fun to watch and her trying to justify it. It's, uh, it was absolutely interesting. And, uh, Varys, Varys, or whatever his name is, Varys, nice. uh, 
the master of whispers he was such a fascinating character to yeah. uh he was a good actor too great actor absolutely but the, just watching that character and then seeing that he's been playing the long game for the long haul it's almost tied right there with littlefinger you know the whole littlefinger storyline the fact that he's been play they they've all been playing the game for so long it was so interesting but i found Barris to be a lot more interesting than littlefinger what about you yeah uh Tyrion, um braun i love braun just give that guy a castle that's yeah, all he seriously wants that's castle. all he wants is a castle <laughs> castle and, and uh sir davos Oh, see, Davos was such a great character, too. I loved him. The Onion Knight. Yeah. He is a great character. There's a lot of great characters in that show. Um, we need to we need to have a full-on discussion about this sometime. But yeah, there's just so we many should. great things. Uh, we, yeah, we might have to deviate from the whole movie idea and just do some Game of Thrones for a yeah, little bit. Do a do a, um, a Game of Thrones TV show podcast. Ooh. Or like, I don't know, like one long episode or split it into two episodes or just depends on how long we talk. <laughs> uh, given how much we both I mean, like this, gonna, I see a multi-episode thing happening here. We're not going to go like episode by episode, but we could talk about like our favorite episodes or, or whatever. Uh, yeah, you know. Uh, well, anyway, we can work out those details later, but yes, I'm all about talking Game of Thrones. Cool. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else is on my list. Uh, we talked Doctor Strange 2. Um, we talked Obi-Wan Kenobi. Stranger Things Season 4. Oh yeah, so uh, far yeah, I'm I've watched all the uh, episodes that have come out, and on July first, I think is when the last two come out. So yeah, I mean I, I like it's uh, man, when you watch an episode though, they're like almost movie long episodes. I know that's what <laughs> that's why it's taking me forever. You know, like I don't have a whole lot of time to sit here and binge. So you know, I'm just watching them one episode at a time, and then I get back to another episode when I can. So I'm I'm only episodes like one through three right now. So yeah, or one through yeah, two, I one through three. I've, I've, I'm, but uh, I'm I even heard track. the last two episodes. I think are like two hours long each. Yeah, I'm not complaining about their length whatsoever. They're putting a lot of great content into this. Yeah, and this is the end too. So yeah, I just like uh, I'm just ready for you know I I want to finish it all, but you know. Yeah, just taking my time, I guess. Uh, and that's really it besides a bunch of rewatches. I've been trying to go a little old school. I watched Dodgeball, Jurassic Park, things like that. Oh, oh, I did have one new one. It's not on my list. The Boys, season one, episode oh. one. I finally sat down and watched it because everybody's talking about The Boys and how crazy this new season is. And so I'm just like, well, let me see what, you know, the, the big hype is. I enjoyed watching the episode. I just haven't gotten back to it yet yeah i, plan I, I on watched it. the first two seasons i haven't watched this season yet i'm waiting for it to finish i think there's like two episodes left in the season um so i'm gonna when it's done i'm gonna sit down and binge it nice yeah i look forward to finishing it or yeah you're getting around to finishing it but it might be one of those things though where i i i might wait until the entire series is over and then i like knock it out i find i enjoy shows a lot more when I do that. I did that with a couple shows like Modern Family. I kept wanting to watch Modern Family, but I wa I didn't want to watch it because it's already half like I don't know like season eight or nine by the time I decided I wanted to watch it. So I was like, well, at this point it's gonna end eventually. So I just waited for it to end and then binged it on Modern Family. Was so funny. It is. It was such <laughs> it was, a great it, it was, show. It was. It was a uh, unexpected for me. I didn't really think. I kept hearing it's a good show, but I didn't think it was gonna be that good. 
And the character of Phil. Oh, so good. <laughs> He's so funny. <laughs> They're all yeah. great in that show. It was a great like ensemble cast. It worked very well. Yeah. And that's all I've got on my recommendations list. Cool. That's all I got, too. Awesome. All right. Well, then let's dive into this mystery question or not so mystery question for you and I, because it's kind of the reason why we're here talking today. So in the spirit of Christmas and all of those people who place the movie that we're here to discuss today on their Christmas watch lists, let's discuss is Die Hard a Christmas movie robert what is your position no. on this no 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 why? no 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 why no. is it not a christmas movie i it agree with movie. you but why is it not a christmas movie it is a movie that takes place during christmas it is not a christmas movie you could take this party or you could take this movie which is set around a party and it could be a halloween party it could be a new year's party it could be a going away party. It could be we just made a big sale party. It doesn't matter. The events of the movie will not change. I agree with you 100%. Now, there are the little things that they included in there Christmassy that, yeah, you know, you might have to make a few little changes to, such as, you know, Hans Gruber going around whistling Christmas tunes, uh, the fact that John McClane sent down one of the guys in a Santa hat, you know, and stuff like that. There's little things like that. But other than that, they aren't. Well, okay, if it took place during a, uh, a Halloween party, he could have been sent down with like a. Scarecrow mask on or something, you know? Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I, I get it, but it, those are like the small changes you would have to make to the story in order for it to still hold up and not destroy the integrity of the story. Christmas is not an integral part of what this story is. It just happened to, like you said, take place at Christmas. That is the the setting, all right? Nothing is happening because it's Christmas. Nothing, no one is there because it's Christmas. It's just a setting, for the who movie. has a party, a work party, late at night on Christmas Eve when probably most of those people have kids that are going to be up early in the morning on Christmas Day? Nobody. <laughs> yeah. People do their weird. Christmas parties early. I mean, yeah. I mean, offices are closed on Christmas Eve usually. They're like, oh, I got to go into work for a Christmas party on Christmas Eve. Weird. It's probably why Hans Gruber planned on taking the tower then because like nobody's supposed to be there i guess i don't know i'm i'm speculating. no he knew they were there okay well. because he went after the boss oh well, yeah that's true i guess okay well there goes my speculation out the window <laughs> but no it's funny too like when uh when uh john comes up to the uh to the front desk when you first get there and the guys, the security guys like, Oh, just punch whoever's name in the um, little thing there. And so he's punching the name in and he goes, Oh yeah, uh, they're on the sixth floor. They're the only people here. Then why <laughs> did you make me punch the name in? If they're the only people here, <laughs> you know where I'm going <laughs> to really drive home that she was using another yeah, name. That's what they name, were trying yeah. to do. Just drive that home. I know they wanted to build that tension there, but that's about it. Yeah, that, that's all that. And to show off the technology of the 1980s, you know what yep, I mean? Touchscreen in the 1980s. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, 
yeah, no, not a Christmas movie. This movie is not a Christmas movie. If you want to watch it at Christmas time, great. But I guarantee you it is the same exact movie if you watch it on 4th of July, if you watch it on Valentine's Day, or if you watch it because it's a Thursday night and you had a long day at work and you want to throw back a six-pack of Yingling and watch a good movie, Die Hard is perfect for any time. It is not a Christmas movie. There's like this thing I found. Um, oops, what did I just I think it just erased everything. Uh-oh. Um, it says, yes, the movie takes place on Christmas. No, it is not about Christmas. Yes, there is a ho-ho-ho scene. <laughs> no, Bruce Willis doesn't think it's a Christmas movie. Yes, the screenwriter thinks it's a Christmas movie. No, Die Hard was released during the summer, which it was released in July. Mm-hmm. It's not a Christmas movie. Christmas movies are released in December. Or November. Or November. In, in, yeah, end yeah, of November into December is when Christmas movies are come. Yes, it does have three Christmas songs in it, but again, those could be changed to anything at any time. And then somebody wrote, Die Hard is a heartfelt movie about coming home for the holidays just with explosions. <laughs> explosions featuring Michael Bay. Um, I have a, a buddy at work who's um, pretty much convinced that if a movie takes place during Christmas, like Die Hard, it's a Christmas movie. If a movie has a scene about Christmas, it's a Christmas movie. Um, and I was making this argument with him the other day. Like, uh, we were flipping through the channels, and there's that movie on with uh, James Franco and Brian Cranston. Um, Why Him, I think is what it was called. And it takes place during Christmas, but really doesn't have much to do with Christmas at, at all. Um, and I was like, is this a Christmas movie? He's like, yeah. I was like, well, then why are they playing it in April? You're not going to see him playing... Um, uh, Christmas vacation in April. <laughs> I grab the remote and I start turning the channels or looking through the guide. AMC was playing Christmas vacation. I was like, well, there goes that. <laughs> yeah, you can't use Christmas vacation in your argument because they play it year round. They usually don't play it in April, but yeah. So, so the same guy, we're having this discussion again, literally a couple of days ago. We're back on this discussion, always having this discussion. And he says, if a movie takes place during Christmas or in the month of December, it is a Christmas movie. I was like, no. I said, all right, for example, take Predator. Nothing changes about the whole movie. You don't change anything at all. But maybe you look at a calendar and it's December 24th. But nothing in the whole movie changes. You don't see any Christmas things or anything. You just know that this movie is taking place on December 24th. Is it a Christmas movie? He's like, yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> uh, that's it just is, has stubborn. nothing to do with Christmas. It just happens to take place on that day. It's just a day, you know? Yeah, that, that's that's just stubborn. I mean, it really is. And if, on that logic, like you said, anything that features a Christmas scene or something like that makes it a Christmas movie. I refuse to believe that Iron Man 3 is a Christmas movie. And I refuse to believe right. that any other movie that references Christmas... I mean, hell... um. Three out of the eight Harry Potter films reference Christmas. Does that make them he, Christmas he, movies? He mentioned that too, and he thinks they're Christmas movies. No. And I don't know if he's just joking around or if he's being serious. I really can't tell with him. Oh, but. my God. He's like, like my anxiety is building at this point thinking about this dude. It's probably a good thing I don't know him. Um, but, uh, 
I did read a tweet about this, you know, kind of along, along the same lines of some that thing that you read. Uh, it says that Die Hard is a Christmas movie, and if you disagree, then your opinion, just like mine, is based on petty, subjective genre semantics, which are impossible to universally quantify, therefore rendering both of our dogmatic, bickering, pretty silly, hey, let's just go watch Die Hard. <laughs> well, like, for example... um, What's that movie? Lethal Weapon takes place during Christmas. That movie not is a not a movie. Christmas movie, but a lot of people think it is. Hmm. It's funny because I was, uh, oh shoot, 10 years ago or so, I was uh, listening to Mike and Mike in the Morning on uh, ESPN, and um, I guess it was around Christmas time, and they all of a sudden were having a debate, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? And when they said that, I just I was, I was watching it on the TV and I, I just kind of looked at it, and I was like, "What?" Since this movie has come out in 1998, I was six years old, so of course I didn't really think of much of it then. But between then and I guess I was in my late 20s, early 30s in 2010-ish. What are we now? So that was 12 years ago. Yes, yeah, so in my late 20s. Up to that point, I had never ever once considered that it was a Christmas movie. It just never crossed my mind that Die Hard was a Christmas movie. That's yeah. how un-Christmas movie it is. <laughs> you know? It just had never even thought... Like, and then they said they were having a debate. I'm like, why are you having a debate on whether... And I literally had to go back and watch it because I didn't even remember Christmas being in the movie. <laughs> you know? I remember all the action stuff. Christmas didn't even dawn on me that it was even in the movie so i went back and watched i was like oh i guess it does place take place during christmas huh interesting but no not a christmas movie no you know what we don't believe here on chuck and rough go to the movies that it's a christmas movie but if you absolutely 100 percent want to believe that it is that's why we're discussing this movie for you today all right we're doing a non-christmas movie at the start of christmas in july just for you people out there that we love so much. So, let's go out to the coast. Get together with our moviegoers. Have a few laughs. And head to the theater to talk about Die Hard. Come out to the coast. We'll get together. Have a few laughs. I bet he's really regretting not staying in New York. Right? Mm. So a quick synopsis, Bruce Willis travels the distance between NYC and L.A. to visit his estranged wife at her job that she has been at for six months. As an NYPD blue, he felt the need to stay while she took the kids and pursued her career. Upon arriving there, Professor Snape appears and takes Nakatomi Plaza and about the 30 or so partygoers as his hostage. Bruce, who goes by John McClane, in this, is fortunate enough to escape the initial roundup of hostages. Now it is him versus the ragtag group of, I call them terrorists, but I'm going to be corrected on that here in a moment, threatening to ruin everyone's party fun. He joins forces with Carl Winslow, and together they bring down the group of thieves and save the celebrations. And that is essentially. Die Hard. The movie yay. was yay. The movie was released on July 
July 20th. July. July 20th, as in the month that this episode is coming out, July, July 20th, 1988. It had an estimated budget of $28 million, grossed $602,000 on opening weekend, and grossed $141.6 million overall. Uh, Let's talk about that $602,000 for a moment. I understand this is 1988, that but is that's low. <laughs> that is so, low for a movie that is so well-loved universally. Why is this? This is uh, because of Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis was a TV actor, a comedy actor, um, and they got him to do this movie, basically because everybody turned it down, because we'll get to that in a little while. But... um they apparently were had a preview for it and when uh Bruce Willis came on screen the audience started laughing <laughs> that he was going to be in an action movie and then they're like oh crap what do we do and um they're like we've already shot this movie we can't obviously replace him um so what they did they ended up taking Bruce Willis's picture off all of the posters and they just had the tower there because they're afraid that if people saw Bruce Willis on the poster, they wouldn't go see the movie. Well, the movie did crap opening weekend. But, word of mouth, people started seeing the movie. People loved it, and it ended up making his money back tenfold, you know? Yeah. And now it's become one of the most beloved movies of all time. So much so that we are literally having debates if it's a Christmas movie or not. Yeah. So. That's funny, yeah, and you know, just uh, Bruce Willis had that reputation already, and then you couldn't even slap like Alan Rickman's face on there because nobody knew the, who the hell he was. Yeah, he was. This is his first movie. Yeah. Like when they uh, the casting director said, "Hey, we got we should get Alan Rickman," they're like, "Who? Alan Rickman? Who?" <laughs> like nobody knew who he was. Yeah, you know. So yeah, it's like so who are you going to put on the who are you going to put on this poster? Nobody. So Nakatomi Plaza yeah, is the star. Put a building, yeah, it's the star. That is, yeah, <laughs> it really is the star. You know, it's a it should have gotten a building somewhere. Uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, it carries a critic score of ninety four percent, certified fresh. So everybody loves it, and it carries an audience score of dun da 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 ninety four percent. This is probably one of the first evenly scored movies we've talked about. Yeah. Um, in the case of Rotten Tomatoes. So I actually got a couple of the screen, um, a couple of the reviews up here on my screen real quick. So the first one I want to talk about is from Peter Bradshaw. It says, it's a glorious scene stealer for Alan Rickman, though it's a credit to Willis's cheeky charisma that his scene is not in fact stolen. So why you said that test audience sat there and laughed when they first saw Bruce Willis come on screen this is a testament to show that Bruce Willis is capable of holding his own as an action star and would go on to be remembered as an action star. Well, even like, uh, what was that show he did? Moonlighting, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the producers or directors of something, when they gave Bruce Willis to them, I guess, or whatever, like uh, they gave him a copy of the movie, and he's like, this is going to be crap, but Bruce <laughs> Willis is my guy, so I'm going to watch it. And he goes, I watched it. I absolutely loved it. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
And that's the thing, you just had to see it. And that, that literally became Bruce Willis's future right there. Don't get me wrong, I still think yeah. Bruce Willis is amazing at comedy, especially when he manages to intertwine it with action and stuff like that. I'm looking at, you know, whole nine yards and stuff like that. Um, That's but my com- favorite Bruce Willis movie. Uh, it's such that a one point. and um, Fifth Element. <sighs> Those are two really good choices. I, I honestly just wouldn't know what to choose as my favorite Bruce Willis movie. Because I really do like him in those movies, but I also like him in like Death Becomes Her and stuff like that. And those are comedy. That's his like comedy. Yeah. Coming out. So I don't know if I could choose. It's like ask me which of my kids is my favorite. <laughs> I have one, but I won't admit it on. Oh. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <clears throat> so anyway. Um. Yeah, so uh, that's one of my favorite reviews right there, and it speaks well to both of our stars here, which we'll talk about them both in a little bit more detail that we haven't already addressed here in a moment. And then the other one that I have is, uh, this one is actually a splat from Kevin Thomas. Uh, he says, as a grand flourish of cinematic technique, it is awesome. As a human drama, it is disgusting and silly, a mindless depiction of carnage on an epic scale. I didn't think it was that bad. No. Uh. I mean, yes, there's blood, violence, shooting, death, brains. But it's not that bad. I've seen worse. I got a couple of reviews. Um, one says, Die Hard is a film's equivalent of a terrorist attack <laughs> on your senses. But Willis's <laughs> intensity and presence push it into a guilty pleasure territory terrorist attack there's that word again which is not a terrorist movie they no. wanted to like uh, the, the director wanted to make sure that this is a terrorist movie it's about bank robbers they yeah they're thieves european yeah they're thieves they're not terrorists yes which because is why i had to movie. correct myself in the synopsis because i wrote down terrorists yeah he said i do not want to do a terrorist movie they could be bank robbers or robbers, not bank or whatever. So they are thieves. Uh, they are thieves. Another, another uh, review says in the first half, uh, in the first half of director's movie of the director's movie, Willis wears an undershirt. In the second <laughs> half, he gets rid of it, and that's pretty much his performance. <laughs> <laughs> the shirt does find its way back. Like there, so I went back and rewatched the movie again. And, like, yes, the shirt does disappear for a little bit, but the shirt does make a reappearance at some point. So it's not like he finishes out the entire movie shirtless, you know? (laughs) I think this guy is just being a little overdramatic. And then there's Mr. Roger Ebert, who said, Inappropriate and wrongheaded interruptions reveal a fragile nature of the plot and prevent it from working. So he does not like... One of the most coveted action films of all time. And then he also said, the main reason he did not like this movie was because he hated the character of Chief Dwayne Robinson. He (laughs) said the character was unnecessary, useless, dumb, and he prevented the movie from working. He did like the sequels, though. Um... 
Well, I, I would have to say that I would agree with uh, Roger Ebert on that one. Uh, the character of Chief Dwayne Robinson is uh, one of the worst things about this film. And if they were going to cut anything out of it, that should have been it. It's yeah. not even funny how awful that character is. <laughs> it's like, it's very unnecessary. So I also would like to point out that this movie was nominated for four Oscars, but didn't win any of them. It got nominated for Best Sound, Best Film Editing, Best Sound Effects, and Best Visual Effects. Just some nice. fun little trivia there, you know. Yeah. There were some pretty cool explosions in there. Explosions by Michael Bay. Michael Bay. All he can do. All right. So this film was selected for discussion because of its controversial position on many Christmas movie lists, but we've already hashed that out. So why do we enjoy discussing and watching this movie, Robert? It's a fun, action-packed movie. I mean, pretty much from start to finish. Um, Bruce Willis, his first action role, killed it. Um, Alan Rickman, can't even say enough about that guy. Uh, <laughs> and it's, it's a fun movie to watch. I, I, am I screen sharing my notes with you? I swear to God, you just read that right <laughs> off my page. Oh, my God. Uh, I, I agree nice. 100%. The, it's just so much fun to watch from beginning to end. And it's just the right amount, uh, just the right blend of action, gore, humor. Bruce Willis, Alan Rickman, they kill it. Hans Gruber is such an iconic villain. In fact, he's so iconic. I went and had to go look this up real quick. So on ranker.com of all like all-time greatest movie villains, he is number 13 on the list. Oh yeah. Number 13, he is right below another Hans, Hans Landa from Inglorious Bastards. And then he's right above, I don't know if I agree with this one, Lord Voldemort from Harry uh, Potter. Who's number one? Uh, I don't know. I only took a screenshot of that one section of the list. Is this from Ranker, you said? Yeah. Ranker villains. But, uh, uh. yeah, you know, I, I can agree. The Hans Landa is a, is a very good villain. That was a good villain. Uh, Christoph Waltz is just absolutely phenomenal. There's a reason he's won two Oscars portraying um, characters for Quentin Tarantino. He just really does a great job bringing them to life. But yeah, Hans Gruber is number 13 on this list. Let's see. 50 greatest villains of all time. Let's see who we got. Number 50? Huh. Biff Tannen is number 50. That's... Come on. Really? That's the problem with the uh, site like Ranker is that everybody's allowed to vote for these people. This is so. Insider. Oh, that's Insider. Okay, I'm about to say. Yeah, Ranker allows who, you who to vote, so these, these lists can change at any given yeah. moment. 48 is Palpatine. Yeah. Okay. 40, what? All right, I already this list sucks. Forty-seven what? is Hans Gruber. Oh no, that's way too low. Way too. Forty-six low. is Buffalo Bill. He should be way up there too. No, oh, I agree. Uh, let's see who else is there. Do 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 do. Ooh, that Gone Girl chick. Whew. Oh my god, that She's movie 40. messed me yeah. up. Like I did not see that coming. Quite honestly, I'm just like, 
Wow, I can't look at her the same way ever again. Rosamund Pike is forever uh, ruined. Detective, for me. Uh, yeah. Well, she always gets those roles too. Like there's another movie she did. Um, crap. What was it called? It was on Netflix, and she's. Uh, I want to say, pharma, uh, pharmaceutical representative, and but she like. It's it's a crazy movie. I cannot think of the name of it. Hold on one second. I will tell you the name. Um, because it, like this movie makes you even hate her even more. Oh my god! I didn't uh, know that was possible. Seriously, Rosemond Pike, right? Why is she not coming up? Uh, I think it's like R O S A M U N D. There it is. Oh, I forgot an A is what I forgot. Yeah. Uh, Rosemond Pike. What was the name of that movie, movie, movie? I Care A Lot. It came out on Netflix two years ago. Watch it. You will hate her even more. I don't, I don't know if I can now. Oh, my God. I have anxiety. Yeah, just I know you can. <sighs> yeah. All right. Peter I Care Dinklage A Lot. In the movie too. Yeah. I care A Lot. Oh, I like Peter Dinklage. Yeah, watch the movie. So anyways, back to our villains. <laughs> um, number 32 is Detective Alonzo Harris from Training Day. Okay, alright. No, alright. <clears throat> is he really a villain or just a guy who's made some really questionable decisions in his life? Is he really the bad guy or is he just a guy, a cop who exploited the system to his advantage? Yeah. <laughs> he's a bad guy I don't know if I agree with that no he's a bad guy I mean he's not uh, a nice guy that's for damn sure but I mean I mean he's not Freddy Krueger bad but Freddy Krueger's number 31 Nurse Ratchet is number 30 from <laughs> Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest Haven't the seen T-1000 is 29 I feel like that's really low Calvin Candy is number 28 Again, is he really a villain, or is he just <laughs> just a really? I don't know. I... <laughs> Gollum is twenty seven. Gollum's not a villain, though. That okay? Yeah. See, I, I'm I'm sorry. I'm going to argue that point real quick. Gollum is not a villain. Gollum is an unfortunate result of his environment. Okay. The Ring of Power warped that mind. He wasn't out oh, yeah. to cause destruction. He wasn't out to kill people. He wasn't out to rule the world. He just wanted his precious. And unfortunately, yes, he was going to do anything he could to get his precious back. It doesn't make him a villain. Sauron was a villain. Saruman was a villain. Not Gollum. So... He needs to be stricken off that list immediately. Uh, yeah. <laughs> off my soapbox. Voldemort is 24. Predator, 23. Andy Wilkes from Misery, 22. John Doe from Seven is 21. Oh my god, that movie. What's in the uh, box? What's, the what's in the box? <laughs> Jason from Friday the 13th is 20. Thanos is 19. Um, Jason's mother was scary than Jason, from, just saying. <laughs> the alien from Alien is uh, 18. Xenomorph. Phyllis Dinscherson from Double Amenity is 17. I don't know who no, that is or what that movie is. Yeah, what the hell is that? I don't know. Uh, 
who had an Oscar nomination. She got an Oscar nomination for her performance, though. Oh, well, who was a who wife was the actress? Seduces an insurance agent. Oh, uh, Phyllis uh, Dietrichson. D i e t r i c h s o n. I have no idea who that is. Yeah. Uh, she received an Oscar nomination for her performance as a wife who oh, Barbara Stanwyck agent to kill uh, her husband. Barbara what? Stanwyck was Barbara the actress. Who? Okay, who's that? The actress. Oh, okay. Yeah, Phyllis was the oh, character that's the name. Character. That's the 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 gotcha, yeah. gotcha, yeah, 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 gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this yeah. is a film from 1944. Oh. No wonder I've never heard of it. Hans Landa is 15. Leatherface, 14. Tyler Durden from Fight Club is 13. <laughs> but is he a villain? Pennywise is, yeah. <laughs> Pennywise is 12. Uh, the Wicked Witch of the West is 11. Oh, Mr. Potter from It's a Wonderful Life is 10. Oh, that man was evil. Pure evil. He would uh, have, a, he would have a river of pink slime fl- like flowing under his house. <laughs> Just finished watching Ghostbusters, uh, too. Nice. Alex Forrest from Fatal Attraction number eight. The oh. Terminator from The Terminator. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> what? Wait, so how is how is he on the list twice? No. The T one thousand was on the other one. Robert uh Robert Patrick. Oh, 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 you're right, you're right. Okay. My bad. Alright. Okay. I'm on board now. Go. Uh Let's see. The the shark from Jaws is number five. What? That's stupid. Hannibal Lecter, number four. Okay. Anton Sugar, number three. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, the Joker from The Dark Knight is number two. And who is our number one? Any guesses? I'm trying to think of everybody you've thrown out there so far. Um... Who would be like the number one movie villain of all time? Corella Deville. I have no idea. Oh, surprisingly, she's not even on the list. I know that's kind of weird. No, I am your father. But is he a villain? Obi Wan never told you who your real father was, did he? Huh? Is yeah. he a villain? No. Anakin Skywalker was the villain. Darth Vader was the result of his environment. No, I'm all right. <clears throat> Kidding. Kidding. Yes, he's yes, absolutely a wonderful villain. Absolutely. When wonderful. you when you kill people just to kill people, you're a villain. You didn't kill me, Obi Wan. <laughs> oh, God, that line still floors me. Um. Okay. All right. Well, there's a few things on that list I don't agree with, but whatever. Anyways, so yeah, let's get back to you know Die Hard. Yeah, so let's talk uh, cast and director real quick. So we got, we got kind of a short list here. You know, Bruce Willis. This is not the first time Bruce Willis has popped up on the podcast. We've talked to Armageddon before. So uh, anything new we want to hash out with uh, Bruce Willis, aside from the uh, fact oh, that regarding he... Uh, this movie. Do it. Oh, I was going to say, aside from the fact that uh, he announced his retirement. Oh, that he did do. Unfortunately, he can't remember things anymore. Yep. Could it be so. all the years of doing his own stunts and things like that in his action movies? <laughs> Who knows? Maybe he should have stuck with comedy. We'll, we'll never know. But we're going to miss you, Bruce. We will. So despite never being 
He done all. I think he'd only done like two movies, maybe that what, the two TV shows. Uh, Moon was it Moonlighting or Moonstruck? No, Moonlighting. And um, but despite never having been in an action movie before, he set a new benchmark for actor salaries when he got paid five million dollars for this role in 1988, which made him the highest paid actor in the world. Five million dollars, and then they for then an they actor took, that they didn't they even his, want, and they didn't have enough exactly, faith took in. His picture off the. <laughs> They had to take his picture off the posters, but they gave him five million dollars. So hey, okay, well you know, good for uh, him. Let's see. In the case you're wondering, that scar on his shoulder, he got it uh, due from. Uh, well, he got uh, the scar on his right shoulder is from surgery due to complications from a broken arm when he was seventeen. Oh, interesting. Just in case you wondered, I always wonder why that scar was there. Oh, uh, just played it off as like it was makeup or something like that. You know, I'm a cop. I took a bullet or something. I don't know. Right. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, he was chosen to play John McClane in Die Hard because the producers felt he brought warmth and humor to an otherwise cold and humorless character. Uh, his performance of John McClane in Die Hard trilogy ranked number 46 on the Premier Magazine's top 100. Movie characters of all time. We're not going to go through that list, too. <laughs> <laughs> we just did a list. Yeah, we did the and list. We did the list. He was actually considered in 1984 for the role of Kyle Reese in Terminator. Oh, no. Michael Behan was... That was Kyle Reese. But his best movie was Tombstone. Yes. yes Ringo. Ah, oh, Johnny Ringo. Johnny Ringo. Oh, I can't wait to talk Tombstone. Oh, if it ever pops up on our list. We might have to yeah, cheat and just talk on Tombstone. I <laughs> love that yeah, movie so much. That is one of those movies that if I'm flipping through TV and it's on, I don't care where it is in the movie. It could be the beginning. It could be the middle. You could have five minutes left in it. I am stopping everything that I'm doing to watch this movie. That's how much I love Tombstone. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, like I said, uh, I've talked about this many times, but there's always, like, certain movies that are on all the time on TV because we always keep the TV on in the background at work. Mm-hmm. Die Hard is one. Like, literally, two days before we're supposed to do a recording, I look up and Die Hard's on, <laughs> like, again. And I'm, I got to rewatch this, so I couldn't rewatch <laughs> it at work because I was actually working. <laughs> I just had it on in the background. So, um, that, Tombstone's on all the time, Forrest Gump's on all the time. Um, the Green Mile's on all the time for some reason. Oh, that movie's great so movie, depressing. Though. Um, it's a good movie, though. Um, a Few Good Men seems to be on all the time, too. Oh, I love that movie. You and want Shawshank. me on that wall. You need me on that wall. <laughs> Have you seen those people doing the filters uh, with their faces? Oh, like that. Like, with the like, bug eyes. And yeah, like no, I haven't seen that on A Few Good Men, but I have seen it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. They did movies. it one day. Like, you can't handle the truth. It's, it's funny. <laughs> I bet oh it's my hilarious. Gosh, it's funny. I've got to find it. <laughs> I'm about to say, Jack Nicholson, uh, Nicholson already does yeah. great faces to begin with. And just to add that filter on top of that, that's got to be great. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, did you yeah, order the code red? Sorry. Mm. <laughs> You're damn right I did. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, where were you with uh, Bruce Willis? Uh, we're done. We're done with Bruce. All right. 
Moving on, the next person I have on my list is the person who plays Bruce's wife. This is going to be a short discussion because I don't recognize a damn thing she's been in. Uh, her name is Bonnie Bedelia. I think I said that name right. Bedelia. Yeah, I think so. And, uh, you know, she played the wife in Die Hard. She played the wife in Die Hard 2. And she was in a movie with Harrison Ford called Presumed Innocent. I guess I have heard of that, but I've never seen it. Other than that, I know nothing about this person. I don't recognize um, anything else on Apparently Bruce list. Willis pushed for her to be the wife in this movie. Um, he knew she was, I guess, from a TV show. I don't know. But she's also the aunt of Macaulay Culkin, Karen Culkin, Rory Culkin, all, all them Culkin kids. All those Culkin clans. All right. Cool. The Culkin clan. The Culkin clan. But that's all I got on her. Yeah. That's about all we need to talk about on her. Next on the list, I have... Reginald Vell Johnson, or Carl Winslow, as I like to refer to him from Family Matters. Carl Winslow. Carl Winslow, always. Uh, Die Hard, he was also in the sequel, Die Hard 2. And aside from Family Matters, he's been in a bunch of other stuff, but he had a very small role. Again, I'm going to mention this because I didn't mention this when we were talking about movies we'd been watching, but I just did Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters 2. He is a jail guard in Ghostbusters and actually has an interaction with Bill Murray. Oh, in right. that movie. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. I'm seeing him typecast just... a lot here. Cops. I rewatched uh Oh, speaking of which, um there was so I rewatched the new Ghostbusters Afterlife like two nights ago, and I hadn't watched it since it was in the theater, which was back in like November, December. Um there is so there's two there's a mid credit scene or kind of at the beginning with Sigourney Weaver. You've seen that one, right? Yes. There's another one after the whole movie. What? I just, yeah, I just, I was just letting it play. I was playing on my phone and then some, I, I heard something and I look up and it's, uh, Annie Poss character. Crap. Why can't I remember her name in the movie? Oh, um, I just watched these movies too. What's her name? Uh, Janine, Janine, Janine. Yeah. So Janine, because they mentioned how, um, Winston like made it big, had a company and is like rich now and stuff. So Janine, is in Winston's office and they're talking and blah, blah, blah. And Winston ends up going and buying the, the firehouse station and bringing the car back to it. And then it ends. I guess setting up the sequel. I guess so. But yeah, which is funny too, because in the movie, I specifically remember them saying, I think, uh, I think Ray said that, um, the old firehouse is now a Starbucks. (laughs) <laughs> and then I don't remember that. when Winston was bringing the car into the the firehouse, it looked like it had just been sitting there forever, and there was no coffee makers anywhere. <laughs> hmm. So I don't know how it could have been a Starbucks, but yet it looks like it's nobody's touching in thirty years. Interesting. I'll have to go back and rewatch that. Yeah, like I remembered the whole. Uh... I made sure I paid attention for some sort of like credit scene or something like that because Sigourney Weaver actually got a pretty high billing for this movie, but she didn't appear in the movie. And I'm like, well, where the hell? Oh, there she is. There she is. Okay. Yeah, it's funny because like when, uh, so it goes through the cast members and then it's uh, like 
Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray, Sigourney Weaver at the end credits, and you're like, she wasn't even in the movie. Then it cuts to her. I'm like, oh, like oh, okay. there she is. Okay, <laughs> all right. Well, does she? Can she really get a credit for this? I I don't know. I guess whatever her contract set stipulates. But I liked Ghostbusters Afterlife. I know some people really I did didn't. I thought it paid just the right amount of homage to the original while creating its own story, and I really I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. Ghostbusters. Yeah. Who are you going to call? Ghostbusters. Uh, anything else on Reginald before we move on? Uh, he was in Turner and Hooch, Die Hard 1 and 2, and 215 episodes of Family Matters. In fact, uh, when he went to go audition for this role, there was actually another now big name star also auditioning for this role. And Reginald beat him out. And that actor was Wesley Snipes. Nah, I'd much rather see a Carl Winslow. Me too. I like Wesley Snipes. Don't get me wrong, but I'd much rather It'd have see been Carl too, Winslow. Oh, Carl Winslow is more of the family type guy, like the down to earth. I think Wesley Snipes would have. I mean, this is the major league time of Wesley Wesley Snipes. He would have. So he would have uh, been a little too over the top. Very, right. very yes. demolition man. I agree. Wesley Snipes, and I just that wouldn't work for this movie. No, I mean I I don't know how Wesley Snipes would have played it, but that's just how I imagine he would have played it. Well, like even Reginald said that when uh, he he actually heard Wesley Snipes in there doing his interview, and so he said he went into it a completely different way than Wesley Snipes did, and he ended up getting the role. There you go. I worked out in his favor. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, next. Next. Our our favorite character ever, Paul Gleason. As Paul Gleason, Dwayne T. Robinson. Yeah. Um of course, he's been in some big movies like Breakfast Club and Trading Places. Trading Places. Van uh, Wilder. I just not another team movie. The other day. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, passed away in 2006. Uh, three weeks after being diagnosed with cancer. Man, that sucks. He was pretty young, too. Only 67. And he actually played football at Florida State with Burt Reynolds. Oh, interesting. And now neither of them are here. Nope. Hmm. Um, God, I'm not looking forward to trying to butcher this name. Um, next on the list. (laughs) Uh, that guy who played the limo Maybe, driver. Oh crap! There's a documentary. I don't. <laughs> did I mention earlier about this documentary? No. On, no uh, so there's a unless he was in a documentary about Magic Johnson. No. Okay. <laughs> well, it's, it's just, so we have this friend, and uh, we we're all sitting there uh, hanging out one night, and she's. About to talk about a show she watched, she goes, "Yeah, I watched this documentary," and we all look at her like, "What did you just say?" She goes, "What?" She goes, "A documentary," and we're like, "You mean a documentary?" She's like, "Yeah, that's what I said." She goes, "No, you said documentary. <laughs> you didn't say documentary." She goes, "Documentary? Is that not how you say it?" <laughs> and we're like, "How do you say elementary?" She goes, "Elementary." We're like, "What?" Oh. <laughs> So how do you say commentary? Commentary? 
Uh, so we make fun of her all uh, the time because she still says documentary. We make fun of her all the time for that. Oh, but I'm anyway, change the way I say no, this there's now. A documentary. documentary. <laughs> oh, I don't know if that's like the proper way to say it. <laughs> <laughs> um. So there's a documentary. It's kind of it's a show. It's a TV show. It's called Movies That Made Us, and it's got a bunch of. They're all like 45 minutes to an hour long, and it's got a bunch of different movies like behind the scenes. It's got Die Hard and Back to the Future, Ghostbusters, Dirty Dancing, um, a bunch of good movies. So on the Die Hard one, which if you haven't watched it, go watch them, or at least the Die Hard one, or all of them actually. They're I all saw the good. one on Hol- Home Alone. Yeah, that was good too. Um, but yeah, there's one for Die Hard, and the guy that you're about to butcher his name is actually <laughs> on the sh- show and says how everybody butchers his name like you're about to do. And then he says the correct way to say it. And I cannot remember what it is. So I got to find it while you do that. Okay. Well, while I'm before I butchered this guy's name, I went and Googled the proper pronunciation of documentary. All right. So it's supposed <laughs> to sound like this. Da Q. Men tree. Documentary, yes. Documentary. That's Not the American That's the American pronunciation. The British pronunciation is Do Kia Mentry. Dokia Mentry. Dokia Mentry. Doc doc. Oh maybe this would make it documentary. Alright, that would make a lot more sense. But it's still mentry. Not mentary. Just saying. Just throwing yeah, that out there. Mentary. Anyway, so let me try to butcher this guy's name. Documentary. Oh. I love a good documentary. Ugh. Let's see. Devoro White. Devoro White. No. Duro. No. White. Devour White. Okay, hold on. I think I have it right here. Maybe. Devereaux is... Uh, I want to say it's like Devoye or something like that. Um, Devoye. Um, I don't see it. It's French. It's like Creole. D- we're going to have to come back to that. V-O-R-E-A-T. All right, let's talk about him while I'm looking for this. <laughs> um, Devour, white. Devereaux. Devour. Devour. Devereaux. I like it. Uh, there's nothing really to talk about with him. Uh, he was in this movie. Uh, he had a very small role in the Blues Brothers. Uh, he's been in a couple other things, but other than that, not really anything to talk about with him. I just added him to the list because I really like... I'm intrigued by this name I can't pronounce. And I'm trying to find the right pronunciation because in this show he says the right pronunciation and now I can't find it. Okay. Uh, while you're trying to look for that, I'm going to move on to the next guy here. I have William Atherton, who plays Thornburg in this movie, the uh, really annoying uh, news guy in this movie. The only reason I want to talk about him, because, again, he was in Ghostbusters. A lot of Ghostbusters in this movie. Uh, Ghostbusters, he was Walter Peck, that a playing the same character. Yeah, basically playing the same character, the a-hole from the EPA, who causes all the ghosts to become free because he wants to shut the system down now. You know, that's the only reason he's up on my list. And finally, the last, well, no, I guess not finally. I have three more people on the list. Stupid me. Uh, But at last, (laughs) oh, you found it? 
Oh, you're done with no, your I list. said I'm already done with my people. Oh, yeah, well, then we'll, we'll fly through the next three then real quick. Well, Alan Rickman up on the list. We've already talked about Alan Rickman before. Oh, wait, before. Oh, he's on mine. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He, he was next on my list. Uh, we've talked about Alan Rickman before. He was featured in our Galaxy Quest episode that uh, opened up season three, actually. So here we are. Alan Rickman's again opening up another season. But uh, we love Alan Rickman. We can't talk uh, enough great things about him. This was his uh, movie debut. And he killed it all the way up until his unfortunate death in January of 2016 at the age of 69. So he gave uh, us. Uh, 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 uh. Okay, okay. Oh, 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 right. We're going back to Devin, blah, 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 blah. Benedict Cumberbooch. I don't know if you can hear this or not on the. Oh, I just lost it. Dang it. My bad. Benedict Cumbersnatch. Benedict Cumberbund. Here was our guy. Played by Devereaux White. First of all, everybody's... Devereaux. It's Devoyer. Devo- I think my parents are spoken Devoyer. Devoyer? Devoyer. 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 Okay. He says everybody pronounces it Devereaux, but it's Devoyer. Because that's how it's spelled. <laughs> so Alan Rickman Alan well, Rickman for the shot at the end of the movie where he is falling to his death he actually did do this scene somebody uh, was holding him up top and they had you know like kind of like a foam pit below him and they told him that they were going to go on three well they went one two and dropped him so the expression on his face of falling is a true expression because they dropped him early and he was pissed <laughs> i would be too i mean come on like, you you like know, 20 feet i'm an actor so i mean i'm gonna give you a good performance all right the best that i can give you don't drop me early yeah, but, uh, like uh, that's how uh, heart attacks happen a, a natural shot like that is is a better shot than you acting that's a risky a maneuver <laughs> <laughs> risky it is, maneuver. but uh i mean he wasn't gonna get hurt he was just dropped early mm, i would have been pissed oh anyhow yeah that's all i got on alan rickman nice and then the last two are just honorable mentions the first one is uh alexander godunov godunov Oh, we're just going to butcher all sorts of names today. He's Alexander, the yeah, the ballet dancer. Um, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. He's uh, sure. been uh, studying dance since the age of nine. Um, not only was he in this movie, he was in a movie with uh, Harrison Ford called Witness, and he was also in the Money Pit, which I love. I love that. I movie. haven't watched that in a long time. Such a great movie. And then uh, the last uh, honorable mention is Robert Davi as Big Johnson. He was in the Goonies. Oh, yeah, 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 the other Johnson. Yeah, the other Johnson, yeah. <laughs> this not is that Johnson. Johnson. No. Oh, not that Johnson. <laughs> uh, Johnson and Johnson, no relation. Yeah. No, none whatsoever. <laughs> Nobody thought you were related. Uh, and then finally, our director, John McTiernan. Uh, he's been doing a lot of movies. Been a director behind many films that we like. Or, you know, we haven't discussed yet, yeah. but many films that we like, you know, all the way back to 1987, Predator. Predator. Film, Die Hard, 1988. Die Hard. 
The Hunt for Red October. Great film. One of my favorite movies, The Last Action Hero. Great film. Uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Okay film. I like it better than Die Hard 2. Actually, I like Die Hard with a Vengeance. Uh, oh, yeah. Samuel L. Jackson's a bit much in the movie, but I like it. He's a bit much in most movies. Yes. Hold uh, on to your butts. Um, <laughs> the Thomas Crown Man, affair. I wish they would said they They almost said that. Um... In Jurassic, the new Jurassic World, uh, the the plane pilot she goes hold on to something. She goes hold on. And I was like, oh, she's gonna say hold on to your butt. She goes hold on to something. I was like, oh, you just <laughs> ruined it. You could have had a good nostalgic moment there. <laughs> that's funny. Or they could have had like Ellie Sadler say it or something like that. Yeah, know? that's funny. And I wanted him to say it too, like when they wouldn't. Uh, you saw the movie, right? No. <laughs> oh, okay. Never mind. No. <laughs> Never mind, I won't say anything else. Then. Yeah, okay. Uh, I, I Anyways, to, uh, watch this movie. so yeah, uh, John McTiernan, he did, turned uh, down this movie five times. Five times he turned down this movie. I wonder why. And then finally, well, he didn't like the script. He's like, no, 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 no. And then when he finally said yes, he goes, okay, fine, but I gotta make changes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um... He was a candidate to direct Batman Forever, but was too busy with Die Hard with the Vengeance to do it. And that went to Joel Schumacher. Yeah, and uh-huh. was originally considered to direct the first Mission Impossible movie. John DuPont did the first Mission Impossible movie, if memory serves. I couldn't even tell you. And um, So he did Die Hard, and he did Die Hard with the Vengeance. But he turned down the chance to direct Die Hard 2 and Predator 2, which both came out in the same year, in order to direct The Hunt for Red October. I think he made a wise decision there. Brian De Palma did. Ah, damn it. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. What? Oh, I looked up who directed Mission Impossible. Oh, gotcha. He spent two years developing The Adventures of Robin Hood for 20th Century Fox. But the project was canceled after Robin Hood Prison Thieves went into production. Oh, Alan Rickman ruining everything. Spent two years, yeah. Sucks to spend two years doing something and then you, you don't do anything with it, you know? Well, you know, that's kind of unfortunately what happens. A lot of these uh, directors and actors and stuff get tied up in these projects and then they get like stuck in production hell and things like that. And then. Just nothing comes of them, or something better just happened to sneak in. And I guess in this case, you know, because Robin Hood Men in Tights came, or not Men in Tights, Robin Hood Prince of Thieves uh, just happened <laughs> to sneak men, in. Or Men in tight, 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 tight. Tights. Um, just happened to sneak in under underneath it. It's just like, well, then why am I going to bother? I'm not going to compete with another big name Robin Hood movie. You know what I mean? Good movie, but... There is one huge, huge Two. flaw. Two, Two huge, huge, flaws. huge flaws in that movie. Casting if you're going to get somebody Kevin to play Co- Robin Hood, <laughs> I don't mind Kevin Costner playing Robin Hood. That's fine. He was the big deal at that time of uh, uh, that point in time. So that I'm fine with that. Just give us a British accent at least. You know, you're born and raised in England. Why do you have an American accent? Yes, I'm looking at you, Christian Slater, too. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't even Both try. Didn't even try. You're like, in I, England. You're from England. You're raised in England. You're not going to have an American accent. Yeah. 
whatever. Whatever. Yeah. Which Alan there's Rickman something is the best in Jurassic World I want to get after kind of like that too, but we'll discuss that after you've seen it. Oh my god, now I gotta see this movie. Alright. Uh so yeah. Um That's all I have on him. Sweet, that's all I have on him too. So let's dive into this a little bit further. Our favorite actor, actress, or character in this film. Um I got it's it's no secret for me, Alan Rickman, hands down. Alan Rickman. Yeah. Great Bruce Willis vehicle. Don't get me wrong. Alan Rickman. Yeah, I mean, like I said, beside the the TV show he did, this really launched his career. Absolutely. So, yay. Cool. Top scenes or sequences? Uh, I'll list my first one, if you don't mind. Uh, Hans Gruber's entrance into Nakatomi Plaza. The commanding presence that he has as soon as he steps off of the truck, you know that he's he's not the man you are going to want to mess with. He's calm. He's cool. He's calculated as he is making his way through the tower and eventually up to the floor where the party is taking place. He is very personable and suave for a guy who's going to be holding them all hostage. And you immediately get the feeling that he doesn't want to do more than what he came for, but he's prepared to blur the lines of that morality or even erase them completely in order to achieve his agenda. And that's what makes Hans Gruber a menacing villain. His commanding presence and the fact that you know he doesn't want to go above and beyond what he has to do, but he has no issues doing it. And that makes him scary because you never know truly what he's about to do then. Nice. Yeah. So when he walked off that truck at the beginning of the movie, the truck was empty. They were all hanging out, I guess, on the back of the truck. Yeah. And he walks off an empty truck. But then later in the movie, an ambulance drives out of that same truck. Well, Hmm. Hank Pym was testing his whole uh, Pym particle thing, you know, the shrinking of things, the expanding of things. Yes, you know, I'm going to go ahead and bring Die Hard into the MCU here. Ah, nice. (laughs) Everything else is, so. Right? (laughs) Uh, What's your first scene or sequence? Um, the... I like the whole scene with, uh, when, what the heck's that dude's name? Um, Ellis walks in and talks to, oh my God, uh, Gruber. Yeah. Um, let's see if I, I think I have the, he's all, I hope I'm not interrupting anything. And Gruber's like, well, what does he want? It's not what I want. It's what I can give you. So, well, I've watched 60 minutes. Uh, he goes, well, I've watched 60 minutes and I'm saying to myself, they're motivated. They're happening. I, they want something. Maybe it's you're pissed off because, <laughs> oh wait, what is it? Maybe it's because you're pissed off because it's the jockeys. None of my business. You're amazing. You figured all of this out already. Hey, business is business. You use a gun. I use a fountain pen. What's the difference? Let me put it. Uh, let's put it in my terms. You're in a hostile takeover. You snatch us up for some green mail, but you're not expecting some poison pill to be running around the building. Am I right, Hans, Bubby? I'm your white knight. <laughs> and I was like, I must have missed 60 minutes. What are you saying? <laughs> yeah. But if that- you notice there, at the beginning of that scene, or uh, when uh, Ellis sits down 
um, they give him a Coca-Cola. <laughs> and Ellis just kind of looks at it funny. It was because when he walked in there, he asked them if they had any Coke. Cocaine, because he was doing cocaine at the beginning of the movie. Well, they took it for a Coca-Cola and they gave him a Coke. I uh, I honestly did not put two and two together on that. But yeah, that's that's funny. Yeah, a Coke yeah. versus Coke. Um, yeah, that whole scene is just cringy, like cringeworthy, you know. But yeah, it's compelling. All the and then same he goes time. into talking to John, like, and John's like, "What did you tell him?" He goes, "Hey, I just told him you're my buddy that I invited here to the party." He's like, "Don't tell him anything, Ellis." <laughs> Bubby, <laughs> I'm your white knight, Hans Bubby. Oh my Apparently god! Apparently, that Bubby part was uh was ad libbed. That would explain uh, Alan Rickman's uh, reaction to that word. Like, what What was that? No, yeah, and that was a true reaction, too. Man, Alan Rickman's probably like, if this is what movie making is, I need to get just leave. <laughs> Everybody's just making up the rules as we go. You know, Ellis is a very interesting character. He's one of those characters that you just, you don't want to like him. You know, it's one of those you reap what well, you he, sow he, type he, characters. He puts off a major douchebag vibe as yeah. soon as you see him. But I think a lot of that is also fueled by his cocaine addiction. So if that's sure. the case, then the actor nailed it. Just saying. And then, like at the beginning of the movie, when um when John gets there and Ellis is in there doing coke or whatever, then Holly walks in and he's like, "Hey, well, we did this big deal. It's because of her. Hey, why don't you show what we got you?" And she's like, "No." He's like, "Come on, just show him." And then he looks at at John. He goes, "It's a Rolex." Like, oh, really? Nobody cares, dude. <laughs> Yeah, what? Just one of those materialistic guys who just you know yeah. prides himself on his good looks, his materials, the money he makes, and the drugs he shoves up his nose. Ugh, yep, awful. That was number. That was my number three scene. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, so I guess that leaves my last scene, the scene where Powell, the cop, Al Powell, um, arrives on the scene. He, uh, it seems that they're going to kind of play off his characters, the full cop who can't handle what is truly happening at the building. You know, he's looking around and he's being quote unquote fooled and stuff like that. And of course he's just trying to get back to his pregnant wife, you know? Um, but he ends up turning like the character just all of a sudden just goes into complete badass mode. And it's just really, really fun to watch his, uh, character go from that kind of bumbling I'm trying to get home to realizing oh crap there is something happening at this tower and I guess the body falling on it kind of helps too but you know what can I say welcome to the party pal <laughs> pal al al pal al al there's a people were talking like yeah this movie's really a a love movie between John and Al, <laughs> this is a big, huge, like she, he pretty much pushes Holly out of the way and gives Al a big hug. <laughs> it's a buddy cop movie, okay? It's a feel good buddy cop movie. It's a Christmas miracle. And that concludes my scenes and sequences. The only other one that I wrote was all the action scenes. <laughs> there are some good ones. And a lot of those are actually all of those practical effects too. So that's awesome. Yeah. Explosions. Yeah, they um Michael so, Bay was hidden in the bushes taking notes. So um the movie was filmed at uh the Fox building across the street and they were still building this building when they started uh 
filming. So there was a couple floors that were still weren't completed yet. Like, I don't know, a couple on the top floor and a couple at the bottom floor. So they use those for filming. <clears throat> well, this is an action movie with a lot of shoo, shoot, bang, bang. The people who actually had their jobs in this building were kind of getting all pissed off that these guys were making so much noise every day, all the time. So they uh, had to stop shooting and they could only do it after five o'clock when everybody had left. Well, shoot, shoot, bang, bang. The people in the houses behind the building were getting pissed off because they're constantly shooting weapons all the time. <laughs> so, yeah. Can't please everybody. Nope. But what a location to shoot a movie. Yeah. Great location. Great. Um, well, that brings us to our favorite quotes section. So what do you got first on your list? Uh, well, I already did the Ellis one. Yeah. Um, Bubby. I already said, come out to the coast. We'll get together. <laughs> Have a few laughs. And I just said, welcome to the party, pal. And then you could do the the big one. What's the big one? Yippee Ki <laughs> uh, uh, I can't I can't stand that line now. It's like my the kids have a Toy Story Woody doll that, you know, if you press the sheriff's button, it just cycles through all these lines. And one of the lines is Yippee Kayo. And even Karen does it too. Like as soon as we hear it, we immediately want to say "Kaye, mother trucker," and <laughs> just like, "Damn, it's forever ruined." Nice. Yeah. Um. So another one to have. Oh, it's funny. Like, uh, Holly's talking to her friend, or the friend says, "That man looks really pissed." And then Holly's like, "He's still alive." She's like, "What?" Only John could drive somebody that crazy. <laughs> Only a wife could say that about her husband. Uh, the first one on my list is right at the beginning of the movie when the uh, guy sitting on the plane next to John says, you know, after you get where you're going, take off your shoes and your socks. Then you walk around on the rug barefoot and make fists with yeah. your toes. And I find this to be a very inter interesting exchange, uh, but it plays in an interesting way moving forward in the movie. John is completely out of his element here. He's traveled across the country to see his estranged wife. He is un he's in an unfamiliar territory. He needs something to ground him back to a sense of calm and assurance. And before Gruber and co. show up, he's taking this man's advice and he's sitting in the bathroom, takes off his shoes and his socks, and he's making fists with his toes on that bathroom rug. And you can just kind of see himself. He smiles and he's coming. He kind of just he's finding himself. And I think it's really kind of a cool little playback to what could have easily been a throwaway line. But I think it's also important moving forward into the story because it just kind of helps level him out a little bit. Before it's go time with the thieves. You know what Which I mean? Which is also the reason, though, he's not wearing shoes and socks during this movie. And has to do everything barefoot. Yes. and But it gives us, you know, some funny lines about him trying to find shoes to wear. So, on the whole shoes to wear thing, the guy that he kills, and then he takes his shoes, and he goes, this guy has smaller feet than my sister. 
No, he doesn't. That dude was huge. If you look at that guy sitting there when John says that, that guy's feet were huge. <laughs> no way he has smaller feet than him. No, I absolutely agree. And just, uh, yeah, all those guys were huge. So I guess theoretically, they all should have had at least I mean, decent sized like shoes. But he was a taller so, guy, you yeah, know? Yeah. yeah. Taller people those or bigger are... people typically don't have small feet, but, you know, whatever. Right. But then we don't get a funny Although, joke about it. Uh, yeah. Uh, another one I have is when Holly walks in to the office where Gruber is and she's like, I have a request. And then he looks, what idiot put you in charge? She goes, you did when you murdered my boss. Boom. Now everybody's, yeah, now everybody's looking to me. Personally, I'd pass on the job. I don't enjoy being this close to you. Boom. <laughs> she's <Yep>. ballsy. <clears throat> Um, I like, and this one, this one's, <laughs> this one still gets me, uh, when Holly's boss says to McLean in response to, you know, the whole Japanese people celebrating Christmas line, he's like, I didn't know the Japanese celebrated Christmas. And he goes, Hey, we're flexible. Pearl Harbor didn't work out. So we got you with tape decks. I'm just, <laughs> it's like, that, that line is awful. It's absolutely hilarious, but it's awful at the same time. And, you know, like. This couldn't have been said by anybody. It just had to be said by the right person at the right time in order for it not to be such an awful line. But it's it's a great Speaking line. of the boss, uh, trying to find it real quick, but George Takei wanted to play that role. Um, and Materian yes. really wanted to cast him in it, but apparently Takei's agent got things mixed up and Takei was not happy. But have fired him right then and there. You lost me one of the greatest roles that could have ever been. Yeah. Who cares about Sulu? Such a short role, though. Yeah, George Takei would have done a good job with it, I think. I'd like to think he would have. I like George And there's Takei. a line where uh, Holly's talking to Hans again. And, uh... Let's see. She goes, After all your posturing, all your little speeches, you're nothing but a common thief. Then Gruber says, I am an exceptional thief, Miss McLean. And since I'm moving up to kidnapping, you should be more polite. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, the last one I have written down is uh, Gruber to McLean. He's like, just another American who saw too many movies as a child. I, I honestly feel personally attacked there. You're another orphan right. of big rock culture who thinks he is John Wayne. Rambo? Martian Dillon? And John replies... I was always kind of partial to Roy Rogers, actually. I really liked those sequined shirts. Kind of funny that he's talking about liking shirts, considering his is uh, getting put through the ringer through this movie. Um, but I really um, love this line, just as a movie lover, you know? Yeah. It's just a good one. Well, so they put, like, apparently uh, him and the writer were talking, and they are both talking about how they liked Roy Rogers growing up, so that's where that came from. Oh, interesting. Um... And then I have on here about the when uh, McLean and Powell were talking, and uh, he was asking him why he's uh, not out in the field, and he's like, I had an accident. And then McLean says, well, the way you drive, I can see why. What'd you do? Run over the captain's foot with your car? And then Powell's like, I shot a kid. He was 13 years old. Mm. It was dark. I couldn't see him. He had a ray gun. Looked real enough. You know, when you're a rookie, they can teach you everything about being a cop. Except had to live with a mistake. Anyways, I just couldn't seem uh, bring myself to draw my gun on anyone again. 
That's a that is a tough line. That is that's sad. But he saved the day at the end of the movie. Pulled his gun and killed the dude. Redemption. Yeah, no, I I I work with too many retired cops and I've heard too many sad stories of a similar yeah. nature, so I just that's that's a sad one. You shot Derek Jeter. <laughs> All I can think of is uh Awesome powers. You shot me. You shot me right in the arm. <laughs> and that's all I got for lines. Yeah, I'm good. Awesome. So plot holes, movie mistakes, nitpicks. Uh, do you have any? Uh, I do, actually. Oh, my goodness. We usually the, end up skipping uh, this section. The, the tank top. <laughs> <laughs> the tank top. The infamous the tank top. shirt. The... I understand you're sweating in it, you're running around, you're getting dirty, but that's just that thing looked just too dirty. Um, well, don't it forget about like all at the one blood. point they, I know, but it looked like at one point they didn't even use a white tank top anymore. They just used a gray one at that point, you know, <laughs> to show how dirty it was. <laughs> like, no, just use the white tank top, but stain it or something. Don't just change the color of it. <laughs> I mean, I could be wrong on that, but it did look like they changed the actual color of the tank top to a gray tank top instead. Or maybe a green light, I mean, a dark green one or something. I don't know. But, anyways. Um, oh, and then I've always found this funny too in movies. Uh, the lighter. He's in the vent and the, he opens the lighter and it gives off so much light. And it's like all the time, like people are in a dark cave, they put on the lighter and it lights up the whole cave. You're like, what? No, that's not how that works. <laughs> Or, like, they'll go and uh, get, like, a stick, and they'll take a piece of cloth and wrap the cloth around it and light it on a fire. Oh, that cloth is going to burn up pretty quick. You need, a, like, a source around it, like gasoline or something, you know? No, it lasts for hours. Fire. Hours. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, don't, you know I, how, don't you know how physics and chemistry work? It just, it lasts for hours. Apparently. Especially without a fuel source. Do it without yeah. a fuel source. Um... <laughs> why do bad guys always suck so bad at shooting the hero like they're they're looking right at him shooting right at him but they're like stormtroopers and they can never hit anybody oh that's funny i was about to say maybe uh some disgraced stormtroopers are teaching shooting lessons yeah. I, I don't know <laughs> they can never hit their target like they can hit everybody else but they can never hit the hero you know yeah yeah it's the fun. place looks like swiss cheese but the the hero is just fine right um, oh yeah, so, uh, the last bad guy that McLean kills before Hans was that dude in the, in the black, and he wraps the chain around him, and then he kind of pushes him off and hits the wall, and he's just hanging there, Yeah, dead, dead. by a chain, dead. and then dead. McLean goes upstairs, and, uh, to the roof, and he gets all the people to come down, and as the people are walking down the, are running down the stairs, that guy is still shown there, hanging, dead and as the movie keeps going we get to the end when everybody goes outside and then this guy who was hanging there dead dead comes out and starts shooting everybody oh my god he's a white walker (laughs) this guy was dead he was hanging there burn the body how did he for one how did he i mean that that changed when you're hanging there's gonna be pulled tight so how did he get it off of himself at first? And he like there's nothing for his feet to to get on to like kind of push him up to get the chain off if he's not dead. So 
all intents and purposes, that guy is dead. Maybe he that's why this is a Christmas back. movie. That is a true Christmas miracle. A mir- miracle? <laughs> Christmas miracle? Yes. Santa showed up and like, I, I bring you the gift of life. Boom. I have, yeah, no, that's just silly. Bad editing. Yeah. And this movie got nominated um, for an Oscar for editing. Just saying. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, I always find it funny too in movies like One Punch and you can just knock somebody out just like that. When Argyle knocked Theo out in the in the truck, just that one punch, Theo was like out cold. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, why I not? I always find it funny too. Like when, uh, <laughs> there's a, like an action scene and somebody gets shot in the shoulder and then they're dead. <laughs> Oh, okay. That's how that works. (laughs) There's a major artery that exists in the world of Hollywood, and it's right there in the shoulder. (laughs) He'll he'll get shot in the shoulder, and he's dead. But another guy will get shot five times at the stomach, and he lives. You know? (laughs) Miracles, man. Miracles. Um, Another one. So when Hans has Holly, John's walking up to him, throws the gun on the ground, then reaches back for the gun taped to his back. How did he tape that gun to his back? I mean, I'm reaching my back right now. I could barely... I, I mean, I could reach for a gun if there was a gun back there, but I couldn't tape a, a gun back there. I couldn't reach that far back, so I have no idea how the heck he taped this gun to his back. Um, the only thing I can really think of is, like, so if you put the tape, like, pre-tape the gun and, like, somehow get it on a wall and then you kind of pressure back up against it, you know, get, uh, get the I leverage and stuff going, you know, like, leave... a. Uh, I don't know how I'm just imagining how I would tape a gun to my back, you know, and then, yeah, reaching back there like, ow, how, yeah. <laughs> how non limber am I right now? Just ow, right. Seriously. I had to go get a massage yesterday because uh, <laughs> I was, I was, I went tubing on Tuesday and, um, the water wasn't really moving. So I did a lot of paddling. So my shoulders are really sore. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I walk in. I was like, oh, I hurt. She goes, why? I said, because I was paddling on the river. She started laughing at me. <laughs> That's funny. I need one after going oh. to the trampoline park today. Ugh. Nice. And then the last two I have are just the ambulance and the truck, which we talked about, and then the dude's small feet that were really weren't small. Go ahead. Oh yeah, there's another line too. Yeah. Uh, I forgot about this one. Um, when. McLean, the first guy who has the small feet, he goes, he goes, drop it. It's the police. And then the guy won't goes, you won't hurt me. He goes, yeah, why not? Because you're a policeman. There are rules for policemen. And McLean's like, yeah, that's what my captain keeps telling me. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> uh, that's what my captain keeps telling me. Bang, bang. Um, all right. Well, then on a scale of one to ten, what would we rate this movie? Give it a nine. Oh. You're nicer than I was. <laughs> What'd you give it? I gave it an eight. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I mean, it, it, like, like we talked about, it's a good movie and everything like that. Very enjoyable, very entertaining, fun to watch, all that fun stuff. You know, there are a few things that, you know, just didn't hold up through time and stuff. Uh like that, and then of course, I think a thing, one of the big things that kind of ruined this for me is the big debate on whether or not it was a Christmas movie or not, and it just kind of makes it, kind of makes it one of those movies where, um, just like, well, 
everybody's been talking about it and debating it to death that, you know, while I do enjoy watching it, I just like, I don't, I don't actively think that, hey, I want to sit down and watch Die Hard, you know, I don't know, but it's a, it's a good movie. I give it an eight. Nice. Yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah. So that brings us to your favorite section miscellaneous thoughts robert what have you got to teach us about so die hard this movie was actually a book called nothing lasts forever um yeah nothing lasts forever it was a sequel to a book called the detective which was also made into a movie and starred frank sinatra sinatra wanted a sequel to the movie um the writer eventually did write a sequel to the okay, so yeah, Sinatra wanted a sequel to the movie, which he went to the writer of the original book and told him that. So the guy ended up writing another book, which was called Nothing Lasts Forever, but it took him a while to do it. I think Sinatra was like 52 when he played the role of the detective. And um, so by the time this guy wrote the book and he wanted it to be an action book more than the detective was, uh, Sinatra was already older, and um, so but legally. When they went to go make this into a movie, the studio had offered the role to Sinatra first. So they did. Sinatra turned it down. He was already older. I don't want to do it. Okay, cool. They didn't want him to do it anyways. (laughs) So after that, they went to Clint Eastwood to see if he wanted to do the movie. He sent the script back and says, I don't get the humor written on the script, on the front of the script. So he was out. Then they went to Stallone. Then they went to Schwarzenegger. Then they went to Richard Gere. Then they went to Burt Reynolds. Then they went to James Caan. Then they went to Al Pacino. And they all turned it down. That's why Bruce Willis got the role. It's like a who's who of uh, movies of the 1980s. Right? And out of all those people, James Caan is the only one that I I can actually see playing this role. I agree. Um, Al Pacino would have been way over the top. Way over the top. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Like all, all I can think of is like Scarface right now. Like, say hello to yeah. my little friend. <laughs> so. Go ahead. Oh, um, let's see. The costume department had seventeen undershirts in various stages of degradation for Bruce Willis to wear. Nice. Yeah, seventeen. That's um, a lot of shirts. In an art- what? I said, that's a lot of shirts. Yeah. I guess you had a white one and then a completely brown one at the end. Hmm. Um, in an article for the 30th anniversary of Die Hard, uh, the chick who plays Holly stated that the first thing she thinks of when somebody mentions Die Hard is Alan Rickman. The two became very good friends and had lunch together every day while shooting the movie. Uh, she expressed how lovely and gentle Rickman was in real life. Nice. Uh, uh, I like to imagine discussed... that's how he was going to be, or how right, he was. Yeah. yeah. Um. Oh, how, I was reading this article the other day. It was about like um, the worst people in Hollywood, and like some of them, I was like, okay, I see that, I see that, I see that, and then there were some I was like, oh, really? <laughs> like um. 
for what like one of them was uh Reese Witherspoon. Like when she's talking to her people or whatever, she always wears her sunglasses so that nobody can look her in the eye. Really? <laughs> All right. And That's then funny. like Keith or Sutherland, um, like Freddie Prince Jr. pretty much quit acting after working with him on a season of twenty four. That's how bad Keith or Sutherland was. Mm, I can um, see and that. there's a couple other people. Yeah, there's a couple other people. On, I'd, I'd have to find that list again. Oh, but yeah, apparently there's a lot of dicks in Hollywood mm-hmm. <laughs> who think they're better than everybody else. I hate that. That's unfortunate. You're not better than everybody else. You just make more money. Um, let's see. Oh, the scene where uh, McLean falls down the shaft. Uh, the elevator shaft uh, was uh, actually a mistake by the stuntman. So he was holding right there, and he was supposed to jump over and grab the next vent, but really did fall. And he went all the way down. They had a airbag there that he landed on, but they used it in the scene so that he went down like one more level and then caught it there. Oh, nice. Yeah. So an accident that ended up in the, in the movie. A happy accident. Uh, most of the script was improvised due to constant screenplay tweaking that were being made during filming. I can see that. All right. Felt natural. When McLean runs through the glass shards with his bare feet after Hans and his men are having the shootout with the glass partitions in the computer room, Bruce Willis is wearing special rubber shoes designed to look like his own bare feet. (laughs) <laughs> there's actually a scene where he is on the ground and his his foot's kind of out, but you can see the gap in between the shoe and his leg. <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay, that's that's weird. <laughs> I want a pair of these weird ass shoes. Uh Alan Rickman nearly passed up the role of Hans Gruber, but ended up being his first major film role. Uh, he had only arrived in Hollywood two days earlier and was appalled by the idea of his first role being a villain in an action film. But it worked out. That's crazy, though. You're in Hollywood two days and you get cast in this major role. But, you know, I, I can see where he's coming from with that, like being cast as a villain. You, it, I think any actor... Well, he didn't want to get was, typecast either. So yeah, that's, did, what, yeah that's mean, what you're afraid his of. His next you role was, uh, a villain. was the Sheriff of Nottingham. Which is a villain, you know, so I mean... Right. So, yeah, you worry about that. You don't is want to Snape be that typecast. No, Snape is not a villain. <laughs> Snape is a good guy. You just have to believe he's, a, he's a villain because then the reveal makes it that much better. Uh, That's why Snape is one of the best characters ever written in literature. No, all right. You're over Harry Potter guy than I am. I've only seen him once. <laughs> or maybe twice. I don't know. I, I will say Dumbledore is more of a villain than Snape oh, is. Oh, yeah? Yes. I do need to watch that. Have you watched that new movie? I got halfway through it, and I turned it off. Really? It that is good, huh? so <laughs> dumb. Oh. Like, th- and I, I can't. I can't. I, I'd be going on for, like, another hour right now. I just cannot express my disappointment in what how J.K. Rowling is... Destroying her own <laughs> world by doing what she's doing. Anyway, that, that's yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. All right. Well, back to Die Hard. Um, Die Hard. Let's see. In the making of featurette, 
the director revealed that majority of the exterior shots of the building showing explosions were real, full-scale explosions set off and in and around the building. So um, I also heard that uh, that chopper scene at the end of the movie. Um, they wanted to make it. People were complaining about all the noise. They had to get with the city <coughs> to make it. This uh, and they said they needed three days to shoot it. The city said, "Okay, you have two hours." <laughs> <laughs> so they had to set up like twenty-four cameras everywhere and had them ready to go, so they could shoot this in like two hours, which they got the shot. So, and that's all that matters. Yeah. Uh, McTiernan did not want the villains to be terrorists, considering them too mean. He chose to avoid the terrorist politics in favor of making them thieves in pursuit of monetary gain, believing it would make the film more suitable for summer entertainment. Summer entertainment. Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait. Summer. Summer entertainment. Hold on. Let let me enhance this real quick. So you said (laughs) spring? Summer. Entertainment. Uh, oh, oh, so fall, summer. Oh, okay. Summer entertainment. Okay. Summer. Where does Christmas fall again? Yeah. Huh? Where does Christmas? Not in the summer. No. Oh. No. Okay. Summer. Su- All right. Summer. Entertainment. Wait, 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 wait. Summer entertainment. Sum- summer. Summer. Summer glow. <laughs> summer glow. <laughs> uh. All right. Summer entertainment. Apparently, um. Yeah, summer entertainment. Bruce Willis suffered permanent hearing loss while shooting this film. Uh, one of the guns that I think he was under the table uh, in the boss's office or something, and one of the guns went off like right next to his ear, and now he can't really hear out of that ear anymore. I feel so you, Bruce. Sucks. I feel you. I haven't had that happen, but. Much hearing loss after being on an air. So much to our displeasure with this, 20th Century Fox formally admitted that Die Hard was a Christmas movie. And that's why you got bought out by Disney. (laughs) After stating that, it's the greatest Christmas story ever told in a new trailer for its 30th anniversary film's release. That's got to be sarcasm. It's trying to sell more copies or something, you know? I don't know. But yeah, and that's why you fail 20th Century Fox. Uh, let's see. We already talked about Bruce Willis being removed from posters. Um, Alan Rickman had been an accomplished TV and theater star, but had never been a part of a film before. He nearly said no to the role in an interview with Hollywood Reporter. Rickman said, I am not doing an action movie. Agents convinced Rickman, who had never been in Hollywood, been in Hollywood for just a little over a week, or a little under a week, and the rest is history. Which we touched on that a little bit earlier, so I wrote that down twice. <laughs> um, Drive it home. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. So basically, we already touched on this too. But when Ellis meets Gruber, Carl can be seen pouring Ellis a glass of Coca-Cola. This is most likely because Ellis, who had been snorting cocaine throughout the film, asked them if they had any coke, which they mistook for a soda. That addiction to nose candy, man. It'll disappoint you in the long run. Sam Neill turned down the role of Hans Gruber. I'm okay with that. Uh, John Travolta was considered for the role of John McClane, but... 
20th Century Fox wouldn't allow it because Travolta was considered a has-been at the time. A has-been? And this is 1988, before he had his Pulp Fiction reoccurrence or resurgence. Yeah. I mean, what had he done lately? He did, you know, Saturday Night Fever and Grease and stuff like that, but that was all. He hadn't really done much at that point. I mean, in in those years. So thank God for Quentin Tarantino. Oh, he totally resurrected his career. In a 2022 interview with Entertainment Tonight, Reginald Vell Johnson revealed that Sergeant Al Powell was originally going to be played by Gene Hackman, but for unknown reasons, the casting fell through. The casting department then decided to aim for a unknown actor coming down to Vell Johnson and Wesley Sipes, as we talked about earlier. Diversity. Uh, that I mean, I, th- I think Hackman would have could have done that. Uh, I would have much rather uh, is if Hackman's going to be involved in this movie, not trying to like push Alan Rickman out of the way. I would have much rather have seen him as the villain. Huh. I can see that. Uh, let's see. I think that's all I have. All right. Well, that was quite a bit, quite a bit, a little background information on Die Hard, a summer movie. Um, summer entertainment, <laughs> not winter entertainment, not Christmas entertainment, summer. but summer, summer entertainment. Summer. Guys, that is a wrap on our opening discussion of our season four premiere and our first installment of Christmas in July 2022. So a huge with a non-Christmas sh- movie with a non-Christmas movie, you know, with we a did- summer entertainment movie, summer entertainment. You know, we we're, we're trying to appeal to the masses here. We're going to talk <laughs> about your movie during Christmas in July. But we here at Chuck and Ruff go to the movies officially would like to state that it does not belong on anybody's Christmas lists. Just saying word. A huge shout out to all of our wonderful listeners. Y'all are amazing. We love you all. Keep uh, keep tuning in as we pump these out for the remainder of the season. We've got three more Christmas and Julys before we uh, move on to just our regularly scheduled programming. Be sure to keep an eye out for our next episode, which will be next week. So during this special, we will be releasing one episode a week throughout the month of July, and then we will go back to our every two weeks rotation so be sure to keep an eye out for that next episode when we will dive into a film that cannot be questioned on its christmas status jingle all the way so another action star trying to make it as a comedy this time and uh we'll see how that plays so action started going comedy and then we had a comedy started going action yeah and uh i think that's going to be a fun discussion we're going to have a guest joining us for that one so like i said Stay tuned. So be safe out there, guys. Continue to go see movies. Continue to stream those movies at home. There's a lot of great ones out there. Uh, And uh, we will see you next time at the movies. Peace. Oh.